Hello, this is Steve Bailey, and I welcome you to episode 22 of Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. Welcome again, and uh, if this is your first time listening, I hope you will check out the previous 21 episodes and that you will subscribe. And let me know what you think of this little podcast. Uh, my email is hardboiledeggsandnuts at podcast.com. And I'll give some more information about that at the end. On this episode, I thought I would discuss the first film where we really see Laurel and Hardy as a team and its remake. Uh, as it happens, those movies are the 1927 silent short Duck Soup and the 1930 talkie Another Fine Mess. <clears throat> Now, both of these are based on a sketch that was written by Stan's father, Arthur Jefferson, titled Home for the Honeymoon. Uh, Stan's father was a theater actor and writer, and that was where Stan got his urge to go on stage and eventually in the movies. But, however, uh, there's no record of what he actually said about duck soup, but Arthur Jefferson wrote to a friend that he did not like another fine mess one bit, so... Pretty severe critic of his son. But anyway, <clears throat> the two have vast similarities as well as a few significant differences, and I thought I would cover those. As I said, it is uh, both movies are obviously based on the same source because they have basically the same plot and the, the gag throughout as well. The plot is that Stan and Ollie, are, as usual, are escaping from authority figures. They run into a mansion to try to hide, <clears throat> And then they find that the maid and butler have left and that the house is up for lease or rent. And they don't realize this until you know, different uh, clues come in. But eventually they figure out what's going on. And a couple named Lord and Lady Plumtree come to the house to try to rent it. And funnily enough, rather than just letting the, the plum trees ring the doorbell a few times and then go away, they decided they'd better go ahead and impersonate the house's owner and its maid. So Ollie uh, plays Colonel Plumtree. Well, actually, he plays the colonel. I'll get into that in a minute. But he plays the, this uh, hunting colonel, and Stan plays the maid. In, in Just the maid in the first movie, the butler and maid in the second. <clears throat> Eventually, the colonel comes back because, guess what? He forgot his bow and arrow on a trip that he was going to for South Africa. And he comes across the imposters, uh, tries to sick the police on them, and uh, they pretty well, they pretty well, well, I can't say they escape. They escape in one instance, and then in another they don't. But as you can see, the plot is basically the same. What is not the same is what is done with it. Now, du Duck Soup has its moments, and the most significant moment of it, or the most significant aspect, is that it's only Laurel and Hardy's second film, but it's their first film as a bona fide team. Now, this movie was long thought to be lost. There were no copies available for the longest time. And so it was assumed that this was one of Laurel and Hardy's early Pathé comedy films, in which they would appear in the same film, but they didn't appear as a team and often didn't appear as, as in, ugh, appear in the same scene together. And I've done a previous podcast about this that you might want to look into. There were several films like that. There, in fact, the first, film, first such film is called 45 Minutes from Hollywood, and it stars 
mostly Ollie, if, if you can call him a star at all. He's really a supporting player. But we see more of him than we do of Stan. They don't even appear together, and Stan appears just at a very bit at the end. But here is their second film that had them in the, the cast. And to look at it, you would guess they were a team right from the start. There are a little bit of rough edges because they both play tramps and vagrants. And so their appearance is much more <clears throat> down-to-earth, let's say, and mucked up than it usually is in their character films. And Ollie looks the worst because he is very unshaven and has a battered top hat. And <clears throat> both of them, their appearance is just very disheveled. But we can recognize them as the familiar Stan and Ollie, even though they are not called Stan and Ollie in this movie. Uh, their official names are, uh, Stan is James Hives, and Ollie is Marmaduke Maltravers. Beautiful names. And <clears throat> other than, But other than that, they're very recognizable as Stan and Ollie, right down to the mannerisms. Ollie is, does his very familiar business of, you know, me first, whenever Stan tries to horn in on something. And Stan has some very delicate grace notes in this that suggest the Stanley of later years. So it, it's one of movie comedy's unsung mysteries that they started out basically as a team, then went back to movies where they played in the movies, but not together or not as a team, until finally they managed to click. But <clears throat> for this alone, it's very enjoyable. As I say, the film was long lost and considered lost forever until it was found, a print of it was found overseas in 1974 and happily brought back to life this aspect of their film history. And it's really nice to see, even though it's not their greatest movie, it does prove that they should have been a team from the very start. And why they didn't figure that out, Lord only knows. But <clears throat> um, let me talk about Duck Soup first. Uh, as I say, there are significant uh, differences throughout as well as significant things that are the same. So let me start with Duck Soup. We see Stan, and, I'm going to call him Stan and Ollie. I'm not going to go with this hives business because nobody will understand anyway. So let's just call him Stan and Ollie. Stan and Ollie are sitting on a park bench. And the one bit of out of character business is right at the beginning. Stan is looking at a newspaper and he's obviously reading a funny paper, a comic strip, and laughing hysterically at it. And he uh, nudges Ollie and tries to get him to look at it. And Ollie just looks down at the, in disdain and then looks back up at Stan and Stan immediately the smile goes off his face. So instantly we've got the characterization. You know, Ollie is the, the big, uh, you know, condescending guy and Stan is the meek little child. So Ollie is reading his own newspaper and comes across a headline that says, Rangers to fight fires with, quote, draft. Fire started by two vagrants to be fought by conscripted hobos collected by Forest Service. Now, I don't know how they do it these days, but that's a very interesting way to try to collect people to fight a fire. You know, just walk through the park and grab any hobo that's there and say, hey, you're going to fight a fire. Maybe they did that. I don't know. But it certainly is curious. Anyway, <clears throat> this whole business was lifted later for the movie Pack Up Your Troubles right down to the same location. It opens up on the very same park bench. Ollie is reading a paper, although it has to do with war. And uh, then some soldiers, some army troop comes along and tries to collect them to join the army. Well, the same thing happens here, only it's with the Forest Service. They're collecting hobos to fight this fire. And Stan and Ollie, as in the later movie, try to charm and talk their way out of it to no avail. And so finally they sneak off and eventually run away. 
and it turns into one long chase sequence. It's not that long, but it's certainly elaborate, and it's funny that it comes near the beginning of the movie rather than the end. But Stan and Ollie find a, a bicycle and take off from that. Ollie is driving the bicycle, and Stan is riding on the handlebars, and Stan says, this is my first time on a bicycle, through the subtitles, of course, he says this, and Ollie says, me too. So the rangers commandeer a car and go chasing these guys, and it's a very elaborate street scene of Los Angeles. You get a, a very nice view of 1920s LA, <clears throat> and of course, they have a couple of near misses with some tram cars and so forth, and finally hit a curb, and the, the bike dumps, and they go running off. And the rangers try to chase after them. And they come across this mansion and decide that they will try to hide out there. Uh, they manage to sneak in and Stan finds a note on the door. And uh, the note says, owner absent, servants gone this weekend. If uh, for leasing information, please return on Monday. So they, Stan and Ollie have just seen the maid and butler go off. And the story is that this colonel, who is named Colonel Blood in this movie, has just gone off for a trip to South Africa. It's actually, it's kind of, it's kind of vague. The maid and butler say that he had just come back from a trip to South Africa. But then when we see him again, he's on a train to another uh, destination. So I don't know. The, the, that was the problem with the Pathé comedies, is that they ran so fast, you I guess you weren't supposed to have time to think about it because if you did, you'd realize the illogic of some of the plot. So anyway, the maid and butler go off and Stan and Ollie think they've got a mansion to themselves for two days. They heard that they were going to go off for the weekend. And so Stan and Ollie are having a feast at the dinner table when all of a sudden the doorbell rings and it's Lord and Lady Plumtree in search of their honeymoon house. And again, they continually ring the doorbell and Ollie gets the bright idea of impersonating Colonel Blood and getting Stan to impersonate Agnes the maid. So <clears throat> that's pretty much what they do. And again, a lot of the stuff is the same. They have uh, Lord and Lady Plumtree are very, uh, you know, very so-and-so, they're very British type. And um, <clears throat> they come into the house and they have all sorts of different adventures. And some of the stuff is actually the same as in another fine mess. Uh, there's a search for the billiard room because the guy asks where the billiard room is. And of course, Ollie has no idea because he's never been to this, been inside of this house other than the front room. So he, he has to search for it and he sneaks around and he'll say to the guy, oh, look at this beautiful painting. While the guy's looking at the painting, he goes to see if he can find the, the billiard room. And this goes on for a while. And finally, finally, he just comes out and says, can't understand why I can't find that billiard room. And Lord Plumtree says, Oh, that's okay. I don't play anyway, which of course gets a huge double take out of Ollie. And uh, so <clears throat> then there's also a scene where Stan, as Agnes the maid, sits uh, is called over by Lady Plumtree and is meant to have a, a pleasant conversation with her. And she ends up liking her and saying, Oh, can't you stay on with us? And where Stan doesn't know how to rec reconcile that. But the funny thing is they have these things, and it's not bad, it's funny enough, but it's, I'd say, rather funnier in the remake, and I'll explain why in a minute. So one, how the plot is finally resolved in this particular one is that Colonel Blood uh, 
comes back in the house because he forgot his bow and arrow, which is also the excuse used in the later movie. He sees what's going on, eventually puts two and two together. And Stan also puts two and two together when he sees the portrait of Colonel Blood on the wall and sees the man in the flesh right in front of him. So, more elaborate chase scene. Uh, the cops and the forest rangers are all in on it. It goes back and forth, on and on. Finally, they get caught, and one of the forest rangers says, we have a witness who told us that you two guys are the ones who started these fires. So, earlier in the movie, Ollie was reading the headline aloud, and Stan says, I'm glad we don't have to associate with types like that. And it turns out they were the ones causing the fires. And this is another one of those uh, plot lines that's a lot that hits a lot hits home a lot more now than it did in 1927. I don't know how many forest fires they had back then, but obviously California is ridden, unfortunately, with deadly fires these days. So, if you're a Cali Californian, it may be a matter of taste as to how much you enjoy the comedy in this movie. In any case, Stan and Ollie are caught by the forest ranger and are conscripted to try to stop the fire. Uh, they get a hold of a huge hose. The forest ranger turns the hydrant on, and the water goes through so quickly and so powerfully that the hose ends up in the air with Stan and Ollie gripping onto it for dear life. The end. Okay, not bad. But I got to say that the sound version from 1930, Another Fine Mess, is so much better done for many reasons. It's one of their three real comedies that runs nearly a half an hour, whereas most of their movies run about uh, 20 minutes or so. So, it's all the gags that were just sort of laid out quickly in the first movie. Here they're given time to breathe and really really act out. I mean, it's, it's just, it's funny to see the skeleton of it in the first movie, and then in the second movie, it's just more brilliantly elaborated. So now let me talk about Another Fine Miss. The most interesting thing about this movie is that the credits are not shown on the screen. They are read to us by two young girls. They are 13-year-old twins named Beverly and Betty Mae Crane. And they come out in uh, bellboy outfits and read aloud the credits to us from a stage. I've often wondered about this. And as always, Randy Scredvitz's Laurel and Hardy Bible explains this. Uh, apparently, this was their first movie, and they were, I think, paid $15 a piece for this uh, debut of theirs. Hal Roach, the producer, had the idea that since people were already so tired of reading the credits off the screen, perhaps it would be more entertaining for somebody to read the credits to them. This was the only film in which Laurel and Hardy got that treatment, there were, but there were other Hal Roach movies in which the Crane sisters did the very same thing. Finally, the practice was disbanded because uh, theater owners complained to Hal Roach that some of their more rowdy customers would actually yell the credits back at the screen, a la Rocky Horror Picture Show. So that ended the little novelty. In any case, it's kind of interesting to see. So this movie starts with one of H.M. Walker's titles that says, Mr. Laurel and Mr. Hardy had many ups and downs. Mr. Hardy takes care of the upping, and Mr. Laurel takes care of the downing. So, it, the movie opens, as the earlier one did, with Colonel Buckshot leaving for South Africa and making a pest of himself before he does. Here, however, uh, the colonel is named Colonel Buckshot as opposed to Colonel Blood, and it's played by the far more florid James Finlayson. So a taxi cab takes the colonel away, and the maid and the butler stand at the door, and the maid says, thank heavens he's gone. And the butler says, well, South Africa has my sympathy. And... 
Then we see Stan and Ollie heading, running towards the camera away from a cop. And they reach the end of the block and hit another cop. And then they see the second cop. They try to act serene, like, oh, we're just walking along there. But then they see the first cop chasing after them, and they scoot out of, out of the distance. And so the first cop says to the second cop, do you see a couple lugs come by here? And he says, oh, yeah. And the first cop explains why he's so mad. Apparently, Stan and Ollie were sleeping in the park, actually using two benches put together as a twin bed. And when the cop tried to get them to move along, Stan tipped his hat and said, yes, ma'am. So that's what the cop was most burned up about, and that's why he's trying to chase them. Well, they do manage to hide out in the mansion, but inadvertently. What happens is they go to the back of the mansion, and they see a trap door leading to a basement, and they decide they'll hide out there until the cops go away. Unfortunately, once they close the trap door, it locks behind them with one of those latch locks that the old-fashioned doors used to have, and they can't get out. So they go upstairs, try to sneak through the mansion, and they discover the maiden butler is still there, so they hide behind a curtain. And the maiden butler getting ready to leave, and they give us some more exposition. Uh, again, the house is up for rent, and the maid says, do you think Colonel Buckshot will mind if we go off for the weekend? And, of course, they, Colonel Buckshot doesn't know anything about it, but the butler says, oh, sure, what's the difference whether we rent the house tonight or two days from now? And so they go off. And with that, Stan and Ollie get the idea that, you know, the house is, is empty and they can escape. And the trouble is every time they look out a window, they see another cop. So they're kind of stuck there. And then the same situation happens. Lady and Lord Plumtree come up in a taxi. And again, it just, besides using sound uh, and dialogue to make the point across, get the point across much better, the actors are so much more enjoyable. James Finlayson always gives us a good time. And here, Lady Plumtree is played by Thelma Todd, who has a delicious scene with Stan later in the movie, which I will discuss later. Anyway, it's the same routine. They uh, ring the doorbell, and Ollie immediately gets the brilliant idea. He will impersonate Colonel Buckshot, and he will get Stan to play the butler. And so they come in, and Ollie does the most florid impersonation you can imagine. I mean, it's Ollie times 10. He plays, he has a monocle, and he's you know all dressed up, and he says, yes, I'm Colonel Buckshot, last of the Kentucky Buckshots, and just plays it to the hilt. And Stan comes back as the butler, and ha they have a little interplay with the, the plum trees. And they say, Colonel, do you have a maid? Oh, yes, I have a maid. We'd like to speak to her, please. And so, <laughs> put on the spot, Ollie pushes Stan and says, go get, call Agnes. He says, what? Call Agnes. So Stan stands right there and yells out, oh, Agnes. And finally, pu Ollie pushes him away and tells him what he needs to do. So he goes back upstairs and puts on a maid outfit and goes comes down as Agnes the maid. So, again, basically the same situation as the first one, but made a lot more delicious from, with the ad, ad, addition of sound. Uh, the billiard scene plays out a lot more smoothly, the, the scene where they're trying to look for the billiard room, and the scene where uh, Lady Plumtree is quizzing Agnes the maid, which is given only a minute or two in the silent version, is played out beautifully here between Stan Laurel and Thelma Todd. And apparently 
this was mostly an ad lib scene, and that's pretty much why Thelma Todd is cracking up so much throughout the movie. But it's absolutely charming because Stan is doing his best. He's trying to impersonate this maid, but he's he you can see Stan coming through in all the answers to her questions. It's it's just a delight to see, and you just have to see it for yourself to understand it. But so that's what happens. And as in the first movie, she ends up asking Agnes to stay on and Ollie doesn't have any choice but to say, oh, nothing will suit me better, which, of course, nothing would suit him worse. And then the same situation happens. Colonel Bucktree returns for his bow and arrow. Uh, we get the mistaken identity bit, and that goes on. Happily, it it's, uh, doesn't drag out. There's another chase scene here, but it's a lot livelier and not dragged out like the first one. it was in the first movie. Uh, what happens is they find out the jig is up. Colonel Buckshot chases after them. Uh, with the cops, the cops and the colonel break into a room and see, gosh, I couldn't tell you what it is. I guess it's supposed to be a goat. It's basically Stan and Ollie wearing an animal skin trying to escape. And so they stomp, you know, they stomp through the crowd of cops and colonels and kick them away and go running off. And again, they get a bicycle. Only this time, it, what it is is two guys who are riding on a tandem bicycle and... Stan and Ollie confront them as an animal, and they get scared to death and run off. And so Stan and Ollie take the tandem bicycle while they're wearing these this animal skin. And the cops chase after them. Much funnier than it sounds, just from me describing it. And, of course, finally what happens is they end up going through a train tunnel. And the cops are standing there at the end of the tunnel shooting at them. And what do you know? A train comes through. And the suction from the train pulls the policeman's office policeman's outfits off completely and they end up trying to hide and the last shot we see is Stan and Ollie on separate wheels of the tandem bicycle riding each one like a unicycle still wearing their animal skins and trying to figure out what the heck they're doing the end so uh, final judgment uh, comparing the two for laughs I would say the second film another fine miss is far funnier it, I've seen it a dozen times or more, like I've seen every Laurel and Hardy movie, and it still makes me laugh. So I would say watch Duck Soup for its historical interest and watch Another Fine Mess for its well-done comedy. Both of them are worthwhile checking out, and uh, as I say frequently, I'm sure somewhere you might be able to find them on the internet for viewing. Thank you for indulging me again. Let me end with my usual plugs. I have a Facebook page devoted to this website. It has the same name as the podcast, and that's Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. And on the cover photo of that Facebook page, you can find the URL for the website of the podcast, and you can also find URLs for all the venues where this podcast is available, including Stitcher, Overplay, Google Play Music, iTunes, and Anchor, our parent website, which sponsors the podcast. Also, I would like to mention a Laurel and Hardy website that I have had going for 18 years. It's called Leave Them Laughing. Uh, actually, it's called Laurel and Hardy's Leave Them Laughing Tent, because I had a tent at one point, a chapter of the Sons of the Desert. In any case, the website has re my reviews of Laurel and Hardy movies, Laurel and Hardy biographies, interviews with their biographers, and sundry other stuff to keep you uh, engrossed in Laurel and Hardy for hours on end. And last, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, I really love feedback. I really do. So if you have anything to say about this podcast, good or bad, 
I invite you to email me at hardboiledeggsandnuts at outlook.com. I thank you very much for listening. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, by all means, check out the previous uh, 20 episodes. And uh, please spread the word about the podcast to all your fellow Laurel and Hardy enthusiasts. And I hope you will listen again next time. Thank you for coming. And until next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye.